Hi, I'm Cheyenne Cook and I'm the owner of CK Solutions. We specialize in industrial hygiene here in Denver. Stay tuned to hear about how we help clean up the messes others have left behind as we speak with some of our esteemed colleagues and friends. Hey everyone, welcome to CK Solutions Safety Talks. Uh, today we have Brandon Harris. Brandon Harris works for Bjorn. And uh, Brandon, who is Bjorn and what do you guys do? Uh, so Bjorn is a service-disabled veteran-owned business. Um, that is myself, actually. I'm the owner of the company. Um, and we are a small business. We are a government contractor. Primarily, we work with uh, government contracts and at the state, federal, uh, municipal level. It uh, really doesn't, uh, we don't stick to one, per se. Like, uh, anybody that wants us to work for them, we'll go work for them. But it's basically with government contracting. Um, not to say that we couldn't do stuff that's not necessarily government contracting. That's kind of our are, are where we focus our, our time and efforts. Okay, cool. So how has Bjorn been going above and beyond on occupational safety standards? Um, having been military myself and having uh, worked around the world doing different things and worked for different companies myself, uh, to me, your number one asset is your people, right? So to me, a lot of people look at safety as, as uh, in a different way. Uh, they look at it as something they need to do or whatever. To me, I look at it as protecting the most valuable asset that I have, right? So if I can make my people safe, they're, they're, the, they're the gold. They're the most important thing. They're the ones that actually make you money. They're the ones that, that make your company successful. So if, if you're not protecting them, which, which is you know the main thing of safety is keeping people safe, uh, you're not protecting your biggest asset. So I feel like our company, from taking that approach and looking at it a little bit different than everybody else, uh, we... we try to go above and beyond like I will spend money on safety over anything else just because it's like like I said it's like protecting your house you know you'll you'll spend money to protect your family or your house or whatever you don't even think about it you're like I, I need to do this to protect my things the same thing like we don't really think about it. it's like all right what do you guys need to be safe so that's that's how we go above and beyond over some of the other companies I've seen that just are like okay well we'll make a budget for safety uh you know we'll do a little bit of this a little bit of that like no we want to be that is our primary like protecting our biggest asset our people Okay, so I like that because I, I do know some people that just do the bare minimum. Um, right. So that's great that you guys do that. Um, so for some of the services that you guys offer, um, like what are some of those big occupational safety hazards that you see like in that day-to-day -day work? Uh, so like I primarily work in the aviation uh, kind of part of our, and that's what my background is for the last 20 years I've been in aviation. Um, so for me, a lot of a lot of what we have is is either like fall protection is a big one because you're and it's kind of a tricky one because it's not like your traditional fall protection that you would have for like say a construction site. You know, like all right, they set up stuff to do that. But sometimes you're working on a helicopter that's thirty feet in the air um, outside. There's no hangar. There's no building to attach anything to. So it's you got to kind of get creative with some of the fall protection we use. Um, that's the main the main one that I see in my industry. Um, there's that one. And then, uh, there's a lot of stuff that you do. We work with a lot of hazardous chemicals. Um, so the proper equipment for that, you know, whether it's a forced air respirator, if you're working with like fuel in a fuel tank or, or just a regular, uh, you know, full face respirator or whatever it is. Uh, and then like Tyvek suits, uh, gloves, any of that kind of stuff that has, that protects you from those things. Um, there's a real big thing came out about, I don't know, I want to say 10 years ago or so I was working in the industry. And they found out a lot of people were getting cancer from a thing called hexavalent chromium. And it's basically a byproduct of um, 
when they sand or do a lot of metal work on the aircraft to repair certain things, it's a dust that goes in the air or whatever. And uh, they had to shift. They were just using like paper masks and that kind of stuff, but they found out that the paper masks weren't very useful. So everybody had to switch to full face respirators, that kind of stuff. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a big industry thing. And, and, and I know I grew up, my dad, my dad did construction for 35 years, you know, back in the seventies and eighties. And he built like half of Los Angeles, most of the buildings in LA he worked on. And he used to wash his hands in, in MEK, which is a really caustic chemical. They don't even really sell anywhere anymore. You have to like specially get it. They sell, sell a derivative of it, but the actual like full on MEK is really hard to even get these days. And he used to wash his hands in it because there was no standards. There was no, nobody knew it was bad for you. So the hexavalent chromium is kind of like the same thing for me. It's, it's like something they figured out later. So that goes back to like protecting your people. If you're not doing what you can to protect them in the beginning, like a lot of people spend that, all right, well, OSHA says we got to do this, you know, but if you're just doing that minimum at some point, something's going to come out and go, Hey, you should have probably been doing a little bit more. You would have protected your guys from this, you know, 10 years down the road, they find out something you were doing is bad for you, you know, mm-hmm. from, from what I've seen. So, so how do you train your employees to follow the OSHA standards? Uh, you know, it depends on, on kind of where they're at. Like, you know, a lot of stuff, if they're remote, you, you kind of got to do what you can do. I, I personally like to, to train people in person and have them do certain things. Like for me, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a learner by doing. Um, so you kind of got to tailor it to how certain people learn. Some people don't learn that way either. Some people learn better by reading or watching a video. So we try to tailor it to the situation because sometimes people are remote. Uh, I've worked all over the world. I've been in other countries and, and I've, I've worked for companies that I've never even been to that the headquarters for the company. I just worked for them somewhere overseas, you know? So sometimes, sometimes the training for us, like we have to put it out via a video uh, as best we can and then some documentation. Um, but I prefer to do in-person training and actually have some like hands-on uh, experience with it. So you, I, I think you remember it more when you're actually doing it and being immersed in it, especially when it comes to like, you know, how to hook things up. And I think, I think stories work really well in the training. Like if you have some real world scenarios, things that have happened uh, versus just some like video somebody made, it's like, well, this could happen. Da, da, da. Like in my industry, in the aviation industry, everybody knows somebody that's fallen off of an aircraft and, and been seriously injured, you know, or killed uh, in, in a very rare case. But uh, I know a guy that he was up working he's, and it was on an S61. He's maybe 15, 20 feet in the air. And he turned around and the work platforms are built into the aircraft. The actual engine stands open up like this and you stand on them. And it's about, I don't know, a foot and a half or two feet of working platform. And that's it. Um, and they were somewhere remote. They didn't have the right equipment. And he turned around and kind of like lost his balance and had to jump off of the aircraft, right? About 20 feet. Broke both of his femurs. Um, and he can like, he can walk again now, but not really well. So, you know, had he had on some kind of harness or something, uh, which some other places I've worked, you, once you get up there, climbing up there, you're kind of like hanging out there anyway, because there's, there's nothing to attach you. But a lot of places I work, you attach the main mass of the head so that you, if you do fall, something catches you at least. Mm-hmm. So is that one of like the more like bigger issues is just like, um, like falling and. Yeah. In aviation it is. Cause you know, you're usually working on, you're working on the helicopter and it's either like the head part or the tail and like the tail you're usually using a, you know, a good 20 foot ladder. So sometimes you're up a ladder 20 feet, um, you know, kind of usually hanging over something, trying to reach something. It's not, the, it's not really designed in a way that it's easy to get to a lot of the stuff, you know, and you're usually using both your hands to get at something or you're, you know, uh, the scariest things that I don't like doing is, is um, on some of those things, they, they require a great amount of torque to attach a part. 
Yeah. So you're using this massive torque wrench that you have to put a ton of force into and you're up a ladder or standing on this little tiny platform or sitting actually even on top of the head sometimes to, to torque this, this thing. You know what I mean? You're putting a, a bunch of effort. So it's really easy to like lose your balance and fall off or something like that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. So, so in your industry, I, I, I think we kind of went over this, but why might someone need a health and safety officer? Um, it's always have good to have like a second set of eyes and somebody that's, that's driving that train, I guess uh, it's like anything. Um, I'm a big fan of servant leadership. So if you have a, a safety officer, somebody that is the leader of safety, um, it helps to have somebody that is talking to their people constantly, especially in different locations. Like, all right, what, as a servant leader, you want to say, all right, what do you guys need to be safer? What can, but if you don't have somebody that's actually driving that train and you're just ticking a box with the, with the OSHA standards, okay, well, we sent them some helmets, we sent them this, but the guys get out in the field and they're like, hey, uh, you know, we're doing this dangerous thing. If we fall, even with a helmet on, I'm probably going to get, you know, I'm probably going to die. Like you're checking that block. Okay. Yeah, you did it. But you know, you, you need somebody that, that is that servant leader that can actually talk to their people and say, all right, what do you need to be safer? You know, if that's their whole job is to be safer. Cause as leaders, sometimes, you know, I, I might be the leader uh, and I, I might ask them the question like, Hey, what do you guys need to, you know, get the job done or, you know, uh, how can we make more money doing this or whatever? But if you have something specifically safety and that's all they think, um, that's their whole job. Um, my brother-in-law is actually a safety officer in the army and that is his sole job is to make sure everybody's doing things safe. Um, which is, I, I see it in what he does and, and it's really cool because that's all he has to think about. That's his whole job is to make sure that everybody's doing what they're supposed to do. Um, and I did a tour in Iraq with him, uh, and it's kind of a really dangerous place. So there's a lot of things that happen and, uh, you know, having somebody that's always kind of focused on that is, is an advantage over just just hoping that management or or the leaders that are in place are thinking about it because they have a million other things to think about. So you need somebody that that's all they think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that's a whole different level of safety as well. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, you know, well, I mean, if you look at it from this kind of example, like you wouldn't have your chief financial officer worried about day to day operations, right? He's fo- focused on taxes and 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 assets and you know that kind of stuff you wouldn't be like all right guy you're the cfo like let's go you're in charge of these guys over here running this project he'd be like i don't know that's not my job that's not you know that's he that he wouldn't be focused on that his job is to focus on this so if you have a chief i i haven't seen it really i mean kind of i haven't seen it to the level in an industry that it should be like the cio is kind of a new thing right it's a chief information officer right some companies do have like a chief safety officer, but they're not treated the same in that tier, which they probably should be. Because like I said, safety is probably the most important thing. Because if you're not protecting your assets, you know, what, what's the point? Like, <laughs> you, you know, you lose a guy or, or, or whatever. It's like, it's, it's, it's not just that you lost, you might, might lose your most important person. You know what I mean? So to me, I don't know why that hasn't risen to that level yet, but I think it should like chief information officer is a new thing because of all the data breaches, because of the money it's costing people. You know what I mean? You would think safety would be the same because safety costs you a lot of money too. So that, you know, yeah. uh, in the sense that if somebody gets hurt, now you're paying for this and you're paying for that and you lost the guy, you know what I mean? There's it kind of like compounds. I don't know why in that structure of CEO, uh, chief financial officer, chief information officer, there should be a CSO, probably a chief safety officer, you know, yeah. which I, I guess there probably is in some companies. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm with you there. I think safety comes first. That's why they say safety first. 
Right. <laughs> a lot of companies say it, but don't actually practice it. <laughs> it's, that's true. <laughs> well, well, thank you, Brandon, um, for talking with us today. And uh, I think, you know, like your industry is just so interesting, especially uh, like how you guys are using your safety people. And I know you guys offer safety services too. And, um, and I think that's amazing. So thank you for being on with us today and uh, representing Bjorn. Thank you, Kenneth. You have a great day. Yeah, you too. Bye, Brandon. Bye.